All right, everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Backseat Huddle Podcast. I am your host and illegitimate Tom Brady love child, Tristan Weber. I am joined by my bad take purveyor and co-host, Addison. Uh, uh-huh. We started off, I started off with being the illegitimate love child of Tom Brady, and that's actually where we're going to start. So Tom Brady very recently took a well-publicized 11-day vacation of sorts earlier this preseason. Uh, however, it was supposed to be one of those things where it's like, oh, it was, it was family time, whatever. It was pre-planned. However, very recently, a source told page six that Brady and his wife, Giselle Bunchin are in a fight right now. And a series of heated arguments have transpired since he made the decision to unretire this offseason. Mm. And then another source quoted, there's been trouble in the marriage over his decision to unretire. Giselle has always been the one with kids. So, Addison, what do you make of this, and how do you expect it to affect Brady and the Buccaneers this season? Honestly, I think the thing that's going to affect him most is uh, that O-line and the injuries. I I have a feeling that this is going to be nothing at the end of the season or mean anything in the next couple of games. I think this is just – this is definitely an E-report if you got me, dude. This sounds like something (laughs) that would be on TMZ. But overall, I don't think it won't have any dramatic effect. I think the team is going to do just fine. Obviously, I think he'll get through it. I'm sure he's been through some worse fights or has gone through more conflict outside of football. That he's divorced has... once. Oh, he's divorced once. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, if he's divorced once, and I guess we'll have to see the correlation between how well he did that season and the divorce, and then we can have a kind of an idea. I think more in play is kind of his age and kind of the O-line kind of deteriorating is going to have more of an impact than some little fight between, you know, a married couple. Sure. I actually don't know if he's been divorced once, but he's been through a breakup with Bridget Monahan before he got with Giselle Bunchy. So uh, here's the thing. So as as the son of the man at, at the topic here is I, I, I see this going one of two ways. Uh, this either we're just going to get the same old Tom Brady we always get. You know, we may see a little bit of decline because he's hitting age 45, 46. Mm-hmm. Or this is just one more stupid fuel to the Tom Brady fire where he spends the entire season giving the middle finger to his wife and doing every single thing he can to put up the most stats and win the Super Bowl one more time. What better way would there be for him to stick it to his current wife than for him to go out and win just that one more because there was that report that after he won his first Super Bowl with the Buccaneers at the podium Giselle asked him what else do you have to prove now he actually has something to prove in his mind he's the type of person where he's just going to take that add some more fuel to the fire and get back out there and try and win one more time now i think the reason he actually unretired was kind of a pr move getting involved with the miami dolphins i feel like he could have maybe thought it was like bad pr with that whole thing with the owner trying to throw games but if you're to tell me at the end of the season that tom brady had his statistical best season of his life at the end of the season i wouldn't be too shocked just because it's just one more way to kind of throw the middle finger at someone who doubted him again because you know that's just how he's gonna spit it because he's that type of person or maybe she yeah. was alluding to him you know trying to prove that he's a better husband yeah, i don't know yeah i mean you're yeah. totally right hey you're not a better husband you're a better football player i don't know oh, no. i feel bad talking about it this way because obviously this is like my favorite athlete i feel bad talking about it in this manner but it's kind of the flavor of the moment anything to add before we go ahead and move on no, 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 not at all. Okay, perfect. So let's go ahead and get on to the next one. So obviously, like I said, that was the bit of the flavor of the moment. That's the current news. 
Uh, but given that as of this recording, it is the day before the NFL regular season starts. So what we wanted to do is go ahead and give you guys some teams that we think will progress and they will regress this season. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here. So I'm going to go ahead and take the lead on this one to start off with, if you don't mind, Addison. So, uh, this one of the, I've got four surprise teams this season. Okay. I think Miami is, is kind of a popular pick to get better, but I really do think they are a kind of a dark horse, uh, mm -hmm. playoff team. I think the AFC West will see kind of the wild card teams. Miami kind of feels like that next one adding to Ron Armstead and Connor Williams is a big deal. They did not have a great offensive line last season, but they obviously also don't. added, they also added Tariq. And they're getting Jalen Waddle back, and Mike Gesicki's coming back, and they made a really under undervalued signing with Cedric Wilson coming over from the Cowboys. That's a remarkably solid number three slash number four options. He had forty five catches and six hundred yards for the Cowboys last season. That's going to fly under the radar. Him as your third option feels really good. Second is going to be Minnesota for me. They're moving over to an offensive head coach, which makes a big difference. You know, I mean, especially when you're dealing with someone who's kind of somewhat known uh, to have some mental battles like Kirk Cousins, who is Michael Irvin's pick for MVP. Just want to go ahead and throw that in uh, real quick. That's a hot one. No. <laughs> they, that's a hot He's consistent. Pick. He's consistent as hell. But, yeah, uh, he, he definitely is. <laughs> if Russell so, Wilson hasn't gotten one, then I definitely don't see a world where Kirk Cousins does it. But, you know, I don't either. Things. Michael Irvin's done and said crazier things for sure. But they've also added Jalen Rager, which is – you know, I'm not going to make too much of the move. We kind of know what he is. I think he could be better. You don't know. Uh, but signing Jordan Hicks that came over, I think, from your Cardinals is an underrated move. And then signing Zadarius Smith over from the Packers is obviously kind of a double move because it hurts the Packers who they're going to compete with. And mm -hmm. then it also makes their team better because he's a good he's a good player. Right. Uh, third, I'm going to have Washington. There's a lot of people that seem to think, well, I'm seeing that seem to think this is going to be like a third or fourth place team. This team is going to come in second in this division. Adding Carson Wentz is not a small deal. He's a significant upgrade over Taylor Heineke. There's a lot of people out there that don't like Carson Wentz, right. but he's definitely better than Taylor Heineke. And this is a quarterback division. So or this is a quarterback league these days. So that's pretty right. important. Uh, also have. Terry, he's really good. We know that Curtis Samuels is gone. I don't love that Scherf, their, I believe, right guard is gone. But like I said, it's the QB league, and they got better at QB. And my fourth team is going to be the Chargers. Like, they got to get over the hump eventually, right? I mean, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, it's a scary duo. They got JC Jackson. And we've seen this happen with the Rams. They kind of set a precedent last season where having a solid pass rush in that one lockdown corner Right. It's tough in the playoffs. It is really, really, really tough. And obviously, we all know about Herbert and that offense and Eckler and Keenan Allen. And we, we know that's right. going to happen. But I think that defense kind of puts them under the top. Who do you have for teams that are going to progress this season? So I guess in terms of progression, I only have one team. And I okay. think that's the Eagles. And I think that's a safe bet. All Jalen Hurts really needs to do. And I know that sounds like a lot. But all Jalen Hurts needs to do is just get the ball into the hands of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. That's a great receiving core. Goddard's still really solid. They have a good running backs. They have very underutilized running backs. I think Miles Sanders is still really good. I know he okay. said not to pick him up in fantasy, and I do think that they're going to shadow roam him to a degree. They got the best O-line in football, according to PFF, of course. You know, you can always take those for a, a little bit of green assault. They're also in kind of a weaker division. And we know what we know what happened the last time the Eagles had a really solid offensive line. That was the season they went and went to and won right. the Super Bowl over Brady. 
you said you just had the one teams. I'm going to go ahead and move on to regression. I only have three teams, and I'll try not to right. talk quite so much at length. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first team for regression is a kind of popular pick. It's the Patriots. Uh, for me, my issue is the ego of Bill Belichick. To think that he can be the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator at the same time is absolutely ridiculous to me. And the fact that he feels like he can just, like, Hey, Matt, Patricia, your defensive coach, go call plays and offensive line coach, go call plays. Like I just, and, and another issue for me is that that's a problem. Uh, but another issue on top of that is this is a weapons league. Once again, I touched on this a second ago. Hmm. Like you got to have playmakers. You got to people who can get the ball, who can run, who can move, who have speed. They have no speed and they still have a coach once again, who believes that a defense and a run game can win you the championship. That's not it anymore. This is not the early 2000s, the late, almost 2000s. Who do they have? Who is their wide receiver one? Who's their, who's their tight end one? Like I can name their running backs, but running backs don't win you the NFL championship anymore. Why are you so, dissing my boy Devontae Parker, first of all, man? Hey, He's a red zone threat, dude. He, okay, what about the other 20, 80 yards of the field? I like, think they've done it with less. I mean, of course they did. Yes, have Tom but they had years. the greatest quarterback to ever play. When you have a Peyton Manning, when you have a Tom Brady, when you have a Drew Brees, you can take a Robert Meacham. You can take an Austin Collie. You can take a Bethel Johnson and win Super mm-hmm. Bowls with them. Mac uh, uh, the kid they got there at the quarterback, Mac, Mac Jones, Jones. I'm sure he's fine, but he's not. Is he a Hall of Famer? Are we going to rely on a second year quarterback out of Alabama, three star recruit, to be Tom Brady? Well, well, here, here's the thing you kind of refuted yourself because I'm sure back in 2000, you know, somebody was like, Oh, do you think some guy, some but it was 2000? This isn't 2000, this is 22 years later. All the best teams have the best quarterbacks. If you go back to last season, the best quarterback won almost every single division, and he is not the best quarterback in his division. And if Zach Wilson into a tongue of Iloa take any sort of a jump he could arguably be the fourth best quarterback in his division but i'm not going to get into that with zach wilson i would like to move on my second team is going to be green bay hmm. uh this is kind of an easy one yeah uh obviously they lost Devonte parker they don't have any wide receivers i mean they've got robert tanyan who had a breakout season seems like a good player but they don't really have any good to great players. They don't have anyone that's going to scare you in terms of their receiving core. Aaron Jones is great. We saw him catch 10 passes in a playoff game, and they scored, what, 10, 13 points? What are we scared of from there in terms of the passing game? We don't have anything to be scared of, okay? And another one that's worth mentioning is they have a half-committed, injury-prone quarterback. People probably aren't going to want to hear that half-committed, but when you talk about retirement – Part of you is kind of retired, and I don't love that he's out here taking psychedelic teas and throwing up and doing whatever in this offseason on a time when you've got no rapport. Yep. I don't want to say no rapport. When you you need to be out there building with your what was your second, third, fourth receiver. I hope whoever that they have has a breakout season because the league is better when Aaron Rodgers is doing good. I don't believe in it. Third is probably going to be of a hot take. It's the Chiefs. For me, the big one for the Chiefs isn't necessarily their fault. It's just that their division is really, really good. I can't see the way the Chargers have improved and the way that the Broncos went out there and picked up Russell Wilson. I just can't see them running rough shot over this division. It was good last season. And then obviously the Raiders got Devontae Parker. And they lost to Rick Hill. They lost to Ron Matthew. They lost to Melvin Ingram. And then Mitchell Schwartz retired too. That's not something I'm seeing a lot of people talk about. But that's that feels like it could be a big deal. I do like the fact that they picked up Justin Reed and Juju. That's cool. But like 
the Tyreek thing is kind of understated in that people think he's just this deep right guy throw way over the top, which no, a lot of times they just chuck the ball out to him and just be like, hey, go figure it out. So they obviously lose that dimension. So those are going to be my three teams. Who do you have to regress? So, of course, I kind of wanted to focus more on one specific team per, per these because I did kind of have a lot to say about each one. But obviously, I mean, of course, because they've reached such a high peak last year, with the Bengals, you know, actually making it to the Super Bowl and losing to the Rams. I think there's going to be a lot of regression. I think people do not consider that, you know, the entire secondary for the Ravens was pretty much out. So, of course, when you look at Joe Burrow's production towards the end of the year and a lot of his best games, I guess you could say, did come against some of the worst defenses in terms of like the Steelers were missing a lot of people. I still think the Steelers defense is going to be better coming into the season. I think the Baltimore Ravens are definitely going to have the best secondary going into next season. And I just think that whole division. The in, best the, secondary? The best secondary? Yeah, nah, I think they have the keep, best keep secondary. Going. I, I'm going to jump in on this. But, keep uh, talking about it. Keep going. No, nah, I mean, I just think the division just had a lot of injuries last year to really even say anything. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I don't think he's like the best quarterback in the league, but or even in that division, rather. But I do think like, you know, with all the injuries going out through that entire division, I think they kind of got a little bit lucky. And like, I think they're a great team. Also, there's a whole year of film on Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase. There's a lot of development on there. I know you disagree, but I still think that's a very underrated division still. It's not that, I don't know. Okay, okay. So you're saying the Bengals are, you're saying the Bengals are going to take a step back? Is that what you're saying? I think they're going to take a, a step back. Yeah, I don't so think, I think people have them at Super Bowl I, caliber I still. I literally I so. cannot fathom how you can say they're going to be worse. They took the old, the one place they got worse, I can tell you for sure, is the tight end. They had a they had a solid tight end place for the Jets now, okay? Mm -hmm. But I don't know how you can look at a team that has an elite running back, an elite wide receiver, an elite quarterback, a really good number two receiver, a really good number three receiver, and their lone place where you're like, hey, this team kind of sucked was the offensive line. Like, they went out there and they solved that issue. They're I also forgetting about the other half of, of football, but all, it's all good. No, okay. I don't know what's going about. Defense I, that, I, I don't think their defense is that all that. Okay. Prized, how, okay. All right. Hold on a minute here. Hold on a minute here. Hold mm -hmm. on a minute here. They. Okay. The second half of that Kansas City game didn't just not happen. And if memory serves, didn't they sack Ryan Tannehill like six times in that game and intercept him like three times? I think so, you got the games mixed up. You said Chiefs and then you said Ryan Tannehill. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm talking about both of those two games. So the second mm. half of the Kansas City game happened where they held them to like three or four points. Uh, if memory serves. And like I said, if memory serves, they also against Tennessee Titans sacked Ryan Tannehill a whole bunch of times. Uh, they've also picked him off three times. I'm not a big Ryan Tannehill guy. That doesn't like, but they're still a playoff team. Trey oh, I still think they're still a playoff team. I just think they're going to take a step back. And I think their expectations are a little high considering <laughs> that there's the chargers and there's a lot of other teams that are going to be also stepping up this year and doing a lot better. I mean, even the Raiders, the team they beat in the playoffs, mind you, they beat them, I believe by one possession, but at the same time, it's like the Raiders have taken a step forward. I think, uh, I think Tennessee has definitely regressed in terms of a team, but like, yeah, they lost Tyree kill in, with the chiefs, but at the same time, they still have a solid old line. They still have some good pieces and wide receiver. I think the chiefs are definitely, going to regress i do agree with you there but i just think like i don't think that the Bengals are going to have a huge regression i just think that anybody who thinks that they're their super bowl potential or top two team potential i i, I completely disagree i'm sorry I, I okay all right so i get it i get it i get what you're saying your thought is they're not a super bowl team they were in the super bowl last year they're definitely in the super bowl bubble I'll, I'll give them that 
there's like or top 10 team top eight there's yeah, okay. there's probably seven teams in the nfl that can win the super bowl next year and they are undoubtedly one of them for me so mm-hmm. i can understand you saying they're not a top two team but they're definitely one of the top teams in the afc for me i'll respectfully disagree with you there and you can bring up one last thing because i gotta get one last jab in here on you you said i completely neglect neglected one side of the ball we both watched the chiefs in 13 seconds score to send the bills home that shows you right there which side of the ball matters more but i also think that the chiefs have a tendency to lose games rather than the other team winning the game or i guess uh other way around I guess teams the other way around, they win. Team, teams usually have to lose before the Chiefs can actually win. Because when you look at the 49ers, when they when they when uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, right? the 49ers basically threw a lead. They threw the game that they had won. The Texans also did that. Um, they just seem to, I, I don't know, they just seem to kind of, I feel like that's kind of an underrated topic in terms of the Chiefs is that they're not, they're not prime time. They don't. They don't come up when it matters. I really don't think so. I'm sorry. I just don't think so. They won a Super they Bowl, can, but at the same time, the 49ers had the lead. They threw that game. They choked that game. The Texans. They choked that game. They choked, dude. It's rather the teams losing the game rather than them going out there and winning the game. I mean, last year we saw them. They yeah, still they won, won the Super game. Bowl. They still won the game, but against who? Like they, they were losing against, against the, the other team in the Super Bowl. What are you against, talking about? They've they've been losing against chokers. They lose against chokers. The Bengals took advantage of it, but they choke. They choke all the time, and the team just throws the game. They usually win by the other team throwing the game. Am I wrong? The Chiefs, like, dude, the 49ers had them. Patrick Mahomes was playing pretty awful in that super bowl and then the 49ers decided to give them the game by not running the ball out especially considering that they're one of the best running teams that we saw that year i will give you that jimmy g choked that throw Mm -hmm. i will also give you that the houston texans shouldn't have lost up Mm 24-0 but it's it almost we're getting a little off topic here but this needs to be addressed Did there's also, but the problem is, is like Mahomes has this kind of Brady effect where you're always in the game. There's a certain mental aspect to it. I mean, like that the Mahomes, you can argue creates that because I mean, there is, there is an element to you are right to what you are saying, but there is a certain point where the other team lost it, but they did win it. I do understand what you're saying, but I don't think you're giving enough credit to the idea that a team can be facing any insurmountable odds and feel like they still can win the game. Kind of similar to how the Buccaneers should have beaten the Rams last season. Because if you go back, you can listen to some of those Rams players said that they were in their head, which being Brady, which mm-hmm. is a point to what you're saying about them choking. So uh, I think we kind of another another good point real quick. I, I just want to say go ahead, go ahead, the go Browns ahead. also threw the game that they should have won against them in the divisional <laughs> round the previous year when they had Baker Mayfield. Remember when uh, Matt Castle scrambled and got the 13 yards? I, I think yeah. the teams throw rather. I think they've I think they've gotten tremendous. And I like I like that. Look, man, I like every the Chiefs song. Look, man, if every single me? team throws, it might be just that you're kind of good. If it happens ritually, yeah. once is a fluke. Two, three, four, five times. At some point, they're just they're I don't just no, dude. We seen we seen good t- when they face a good team. We seen it when they face the Bengals or when they face the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or even. I mean, technically, I mean, if it weren't for the overtime rules, I mean, who's to say that they beat the Bills? 
that's true. Okay, but right, I mean, got... you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely wrong in an aspect. But go ahead. We're both are. We got a little off topic there, but one thing we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next thing here. We've got a our next topic is gonna be an upset of the week here. We're gonna move on to this segment. We're gonna be doing this each set. We're gonna be rather doing this segment each week. We're gonna give you our picks for upsets of the weeks. Uh, week sometimes it'll be based on fact and stats, and other times it's gonna be kind of a gut feeling. It'll be a bit of a mix of both. Addison, I'll let you kick us off on this one. So in terms of the upset of the week, I actually have, uh, it's not that much of an upset, but I think the Cowboys will beat the Buccaneers coming into week one. I just think that's just the normal way it goes. I think Tampa Bay is definitely a better team than the Cowboys, but I just feel like this is a narrative-driven league. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose week one. I think it's extremely close, but I still think it's an upset. And the reason why I say that is because, I mean, every year we always have to have the conversation about Tom Brady and whether or not, you know, it's been a while since we had this conversation. Should he retire or not? I mean, I guess we had it this offseason, but at the same time, <laughs> like, Dallas has a lot of playmakers. They It can it – can, things can change in the drop of a hat. Like, you know, you got Trevon Diggs, you have Michael Parsons. Um, you have a very explosive team. And I think the Buccaneers kind of have a lot of stuff going on, especially with the O-line problems and just kind of the team, you know, shifting also with Todd Bowles. Like this isn't, this isn't Bruce Arians' bangle or not bangles, um, Buccaneers anymore. This is Todd Bowles Buccaneers. So I feel like there's going to be a little bit of this kind of weird adjustment in week one. I think Tampa Bay will be better than the Dallas Cowboys. I by no means think Dallas Cowboys are better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But at the same time, I also think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can lose this game and will lose this game. I think Dallas is uh, going to take it home week one. All right. You're not only wrong, you're just wrong on this one, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let this one go. I'm just going to go ahead and move on to my upset pit of the week, pick of the week. I'll come back to yours about why you're wrong in just a minute. So my upset pick of the week is going to be your team. Actually, I'm going to pick the Cardinals over the Chiefs, which is definitely kind of a hot take as they are at this point, according to FS1, the Chiefs are six point road favorites. So my understanding is typically uh, home field advantage is usually worth about two and a half points. Mm-hmm. So as such, if this means the chiefs were home, they'd be about eight and a half point favorites. That's a, over a touchdown favorites. That's a big number there. I understand why you kind of helped me out with this a little bit, given that the Cardinals have apparently some trouble when D hop is not around. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason I kind of like this chiefs team or rather I like this. I like this team to win is that the Cardinals tend to start pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, the, over the past two seasons, uh, obviously last season, they started out 7-0. They're strong to start. In the 2020 season, they started out 2-0. And in over the first seven games, they were 5-2. and uh, They did not lose their 2019 Week 1 game. And there's a very specific reason I said they didn't lose because they tied in 2019, which means they have not lost a, a opening week game since 2018. That being said, the Chiefs have seven straight Week 1 wins. So I still can't really even use that. As an argument, but I really like this game as a shootout. Watch the over/unders, fifty-three and a half points. Would you be shocked if this was a 35-34 game? I absolutely would. Not. No, no, not at all. I think just because, like, I also think that the Chiefs' defense has regressed a lot. They lost Tyron Matthew, which I think was a huge part of why that defense was still together to a degree yeah. last year. Um, and I just think that the Cardinals always start off really hot, and I think the explosiveness and the chemistry between Hollywood and between Kyler is going to be there. College connection. Yeah. They're going to be hitting each other. And also I feel like the Cardinals just have a really underrated wide receiving core. I mean, I don't think Zach Ertz is going to be playing, Mm -hmm. but 
the, the, the X factor for me for this game is a, is Rondale Moore. I really, really like Rondale Moore. Maybe he does Tyree. a lot of maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He does a lot of things to me that, that are very interesting, very exciting. And I could totally see him being an X factor. And I can also see them leaning on Kyler's running ability. And then James Conner obviously is, is a solid running back. Not the best, not the worst, certainly rock solid. I could see them getting a lead, grinding it out, using those two mm-hmm. guys legs uh to go ahead and finish up the game so since you picked the upset i'm not gonna you mentioned it was an upset i'm not gonna pick on you too much in regards to your your cowboys over buccaneers pick the reason i kind of see that being an issue is you brought up the tampa bay o-line the cowboys o-line is worse you mentioned oh yeah because the left it's really rough they with tyron with uh their left tackle Tyron Smith, I believe is his name. I used to be a Cowboys fan. Can't believe I can't remember that. That's a big deal. I mean, when they've got players like Shaq Barrett, Akeem Hicks, Vita Vea on that defensive line. Yeah. yeah. And I also don't love that. You mentioned that the Cowboys have, uh, have, have some playmakers. They some, did. Yeah. Uh, they've got CD lamb and Dalton Schultz. I mean, they're, they're starting the wrong running back. There's a quarterback who, who has statistically not done well without Amari Cooper. And has not also done right. not done well without Tyron Smith. So I don't love him there, but that you mentioned that was an upset pick. So I'm gonna kind of leave that one alone. So we'll right. go ahead and move on. Excuse me. So just for fun, we uh we have some superlatives for you. So what we wanted to do here was we wanted to kind of give you our best and worst. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna tell you the team that we think is gonna be the best in the NFL this season, the worst in the NFL this season, and just as kind of a bonus, just this is not something we're gonna do regularly, at least this part. We also have a team that finished last in their division that we think has a real chance to turn it completely around and potentially win their division. So worst to first candidate, worst team, best team. Addison, I will go ahead and let you start. Go ahead and fire us off. Uh, in terms of my best team, I actually have some notes here on who I think will be the best team. I think it's a pretty obvious one. I think both my answers are, are relatively obvious. I think the Bills are going to be the best team. I think they lost a lot of veteran players. I don't think Colt Beasley is on the team. Emmanuel Sanders is not uh, retired, as we um, discovered not too long ago. It's just, I just feel like this team is kind of just there. I also think Josh Allen is an elite quarterback that doesn't mm-hmm. have a ring. I think he's just an incredible talent. And with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis's performance last year, I think it's really hard to see them really take a step back, considering that so many teams took a step back. I think at this point, even the smallest step forward will per- propel them from to being the best team, especially considering sure. the team that beat them was the chiefs um, that took a major step back. Um, I think the only thing that would really be in their way is the Rams who they're going to be playing on Thursday. So I guess we're going to see how that kind of relationship stacks up in terms of the worst team. I've noticed every year, like in 2020, it was the dolphins uh, or I guess 2019, it was the dolphins. Everyone was like, Oh, they're the worst team in this past year. People have been saying that the Texans were that bad, but they actually did a lot better than people anticipated. Um, I think right now this year, there's a few different teams that are kind of in the mix, but I definitely think the Seahawks are the worst. I have a friend who's a Seahawks fan. Their defense is just awful. I mean, Jamal Adams, I mean, injury. It's rough. It's It's really rough. rough. They have no veterans either. They're just kind of just, I mean, really when you're, I mean, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but DK, when DK Metcalf is 100% far and away, the best player on your (laughs) roster, that is a problem. I think DK is phenomenal, but he's really young. He doesn't have any veteran leadership to my knowledge. And also just like 
this is a team that has done successful running the ball. I mean, Chris Carson with the stinger, you know, he's gone forever in terms of NFL wise. Rashad Penny is not it, man. He's just not it. He always gets injured. And in terms of worst to first, I would say that the Broncos, I think that's the easiest answer, but sure. actually a team that I think that finished last in their division last year that I think is going to take a huge step forward is going to be the Lions. I think with Amon St. Brown, one of the better tight ends in TJ Hawkinson's, I think that's going to be a really great team. They have a top three O-line according to PFF. Also, DeAndre Swift is really solid. I think the questions really rely more on how well the defense will perform. But when you're in a division with the Bears and I mean, the Vikings are still a really good team. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But it's like, all you have to do is just be better than the Vikings and the Packers. Packers have taken a huge step back. And I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I feel like in terms of most likely outside of the Broncos, I think the Lions have a huge shot, especially if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Um, but I think this team has a lot of potential, especially going forward. We've seen what Jared Goff can do with a good old line. I mean, we saw what he did with the Rams. Of course, that team was way better. DeAndre sure. Swift is no Todd Gurley. But at the same time, I think this team has a huge potential to be first in their division considering the landscape. I respect that choice. I also respect not taking the other low-hanging fruit, which is Baltimore. That's definitely the right. low-hanging fruit there, too. They technically finished last, but they had a rash of injuries. You brought that up earlier. Yeah. So for me, the worst team, this one was tough. There was a couple teams I really wanted to say, but I settled on Atlanta. So they have a hmm. fragile starting quarterback in Marcus Mariota. He's been hurt a lot. He didn't quite live up to his draft status, as we know. And then behind him is Desmond Ritter. I mean, they don't have a lot of offensive talent. They've got Cordero Patterson, and then Calvin Ridley's obviously out. Uh, and they've got a defense Defense that's got two standouts. They've got Grady Jarrett, and they've got the cornerback whose name I can't remember. I apologize. He's really, really, really good. But aside from that, it's just porous. And most of the teams in their division have improved. Carolina's gotten better. Tom Brady's still there in uh, up there in uh, Tampa. Hey, so you say this is going to be the worst team? Or I'm taking, yeah. I think Atlanta team, sorry, they're the worst team. I think they are the worst team in the NFL. Atlanta should be picking first come next season. My really? best team is going to be the Rams. I feel like this one seems pretty simple. I would not be shocked if they repeated. They are obviously the reigning Super Bowl champions. They added Wagner to their their right. linebacking core, which is obvious, arguably their weakest area last season. So they got better there. And then they added... Uh, Robinson, Allen Robinson, that's kind of a big deal. I, I feel like he does not get as much respect as he deserves in this league as a player who has put up 1,000-yard seasons, 12 touchdown seasons over and over and over again with Blake Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky, and who else? Like, he just ritually oh, I forgot he played up, for the <laughs> Yeah, he just for the ritually puts up good numbers for bad teams that don't have a lot of offensive talent. So that tells you he's probably a good player. And then he gets to go to a team that has, obviously, Matthew Stafford, a rock-solid running game, Cooper Cup coming off arguably the best wide receiver season of all time. I just, I, I, I just, what's not to like here, especially considering they're getting Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson back, too. Right. This whole team, it just looks good on paper. It looks like they got better on the offseason. I like this team. They lose Eric Weddle, but I mean, guy was old. Yeah. I, I, I like, yeah. I don't like that they lose veteran okay. leadership, but right, he's a good player. I now, mean, veteran leadership does make a, make a difference, but it does. I don't think I'm, with the Rams, you got Bobby Wagner, you got so many great players. Yeah, there. they've got enough players. Matthew Stafford's been in the league for 13, 14 years. Bobby Wagner's really good. You know, they've they've got players who have been in the league for some time. Okay, so for my worst to first pick is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this one for me is pretty simple. First thing that needs to be said is their division's weak. I mean, the Colts aren't great. They got better because they added a better quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And the Titans have regressed. They lost Harold Landry. You get the idea there. And they lost A.J. Brown. That's a big deal. I don't like that they don't have a true number one receiver, but they've got a really good player in James Robinson. Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence is a great breakout candidate this season. I like what they've done in their tight end room, adding Evan Ingram and also Dan Arnold coming over from the Panthers, sure. who's a rock-solid player. Mm-hmm. Those are some good things. I'm also big on Travis Etienne. I think he was really underrated. Uh, I am too. He's on my fantasy team. Yeah, I, I hope I, so. <laughs> I, I just want to give a shout-out to Travis Etienne. If you just so happen to see this, I watched you in the first game. The Alabama game, the one they lost, he was the best player on the field in that game. He was balling out, and nobody remembers it. I swear I'm the only one that watched it. Anyways, I like the Jaguars' real good chance, especially especially because they have a better coach. I mean, people want to want to, want to crap on Doug Peterson, but the guy has a Super Bowl. He knows how to do something, has put a team together, has built a team. They also add a little bit to the offensive line, which I also really, really like. Uh, so for that reason, Jaguars are definitely my worst two first. Do you have anything to add before we move on? Mm, not really. I guess my only change to the best team is whoever wins tomorrow. Then I think. Oh, that, uh, okay, I think okay, that that's clever. Because to be honest, like those two teams are the best teams. I think hands down. I mean, well, of course, we we almost hardly ever see the two best teams in a single season face off in the Super Bowl because that's just naturally the any given Sunday formula. But uh, yeah, no, that's totally, pretty much all I have to say. No, I totally agree. When when I, I'm going to touch on this for a second because I actually think that's a good point you brought up. It's not always the best team that makes it to and wins the Super Bowl. It's often just the healthiest. I mean, if you look right. back, I think a prime example is this is Tampa Bay the other not not last year but the year before. They weren't necessarily the best team. They were the healthiest. They didn't have anybody hurt. And the prime example of that is the way the Chiefs' offensive line fell apart right before the Super Bowl. I mean, you saw it, dude. Just Mahomes was getting absolutely run around. Oh, yeah. It's not always the best team. It is oft times the healthiest team. Okay. So we'll go ahead and move on to finish our show, our very first show. We wanted to give you our way too early awards and way too early MVP. Uh, Addison, you want to start us off or you want me to start us off? Uh, you know, honestly, I think we should alternate between it. And should we okay. start off with MVP first? Uh, or it's, a, it's up to you, man. I, I would like to start off with comeback player of the year. So yeah, uh, you go ahead and it. give yours, and I'll go second. I'm a BBC fan. I'm just going to get that out there real oh, quick. Oh, no. I'm a BBC Derek Henry, man. This man is the only player to come back because there's this old curse, 300 touches. You know, sure. Basically, huge decline after that. Derek Henry last year, of course, he did get injured with the Liz Frank injury, which is not a lingering injury after – not like a – high probability of re-injury. Derrick Henry is going to do it again. Like, I don't care how bad that old line. Have you seen that man? That man can. He's huge. Dude, he yeah. can squish my head with his hands. And just he's, he's, he's a monster, dude. He's, he's literally a monster. I'm a little concerned just, about how you're talking about Derrick Henry oh, right now. Dude, you're a little Derrick, sus over there, big dog. I'm a little hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's such a – no, I love Derrick Henry. He's uh, You know, honestly, he's carried my fantasy team for some time. I, I appreciate the boy. He's my probably one of my favorite players. I If you ask me – uh, I know this is a bad take, but I don't care what anyone says. In terms of who I've watched, he is probably the best running back of all time next to Adrian Peterson. But that's just who I've watched. I know everyone would disagree with that, but I think Derrick Henry is just amazing. Uh, okay, you took, besides all of the weird stuff you said, Derrick Henry, you took the words right out of my mouth. Derrick Henry is the obvious no. pick here. He's the easy pick for comeback player of the year, and he's likely going to win it. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, like you said. He's a great player. He said, you said he's the greatest you've ever seen. I would give that to LaDainian Tomlinson. He's the greatest I've seen. Maybe Adrian Peterson and then him. 
Uh, but I'm a little older than you are, so I had the opportunity to see Ludwig yeah. Tomlinson. But that's neither here nor I there. I saw Jess Tomlinson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, mean. that was not the same. The, the, uh, it's I not the same. No, I'm not the same. I remember that no. 31 touchdown season. It was incredible. Anyways, uh, he's amazing. He's back. He's going to be their entire offense. They lost AJ Brown. I don't, I'm not a Ryan Tannehill guy. They just, I don't, I don't believe in anybody but him on that offense. And right. I would not be shocked if he goes off for 16, 1700 yards and 13 touchdowns once again. No. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. Keep that one short and sweet. Let's go ahead and move on to defensive player of the year. Who do you have, Addison? Defensive player of the year? Um, in terms of defensive player of the year, I I don't know, me. It's gonna come off like I'm a huge Cowboys fanboy, but I'm not a big Cowboys fan at all. But I do like Micah Parsons. I think okay. his playmaking ability and the amount of influence he can have on a game is pretty tremendous. Just based off his rookie year. I True. mean, I don't think the like uh the Lawrence Taylor comparisons were all that um accurate or anything like i'm not saying that he's not capable of hitting lawrence taylor status i think lawrence taylor is by far like one of the best players to ever play in the nfl but i think he has that same essence he has the same ability to kind of change the, the playmaking you you impact the yeah. game similarly is what you're saying yeah and especially if he's able to do that as a rookie there's not a lot of rookies that can just come out there like i mean we've seen rookies pull off a lot of sacks like nick bosa or even in the same year uh, josh allen Um, the linebacker of course Um, but he made such a huge influence he really was the catalyst of changing the entire way people perceived that offense when they played against him Trevon Diggs was impressive but at the same time Micah Parsons basically changed that whole he's a dog just a dog he's amazing yeah he's he's a dog all right my pick here is gonna be Joey Bosa of the Chargers so here's a reason why is I think he has everything set in place for him to have a monster year. I absolutely love the addition of Khalil Mack. It's going to make it really difficult for him to consistently get double teamed. And mm-hmm. I also love the addition of JC Jackson and then hopefully oh, yeah. Derwin James, and they'll have a solid pass rush unit or pass coverage unit. So what's going to happen is they're going to have Khalil Mack on the other side, and then other teams are going to have difficulty throwing. So they're going to have to sit back there a little bit longer, hold that ball a little extra second longer, and that should, in theory, lead to more sacks. And moreover, he's in a pass-happy division. We're looking at the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Raiders that he has to go up against. Right. Those teams are going to want to sling it. They've got it. They've got. They got Mahomes. You got Russell Wilson. And the Raiders got, and the Broncos have a bottom 15-0 line as well. See, I didn't know that. Thanks for making my point for me. Yeah. So basically, it feels like everything is kind of set in place for Joey Bosa to have an absolute monster of a year he's gonna be my pick for if you if at the end of the year he has 17 and a half sacks 20 sacks you know six fours fumbles two interceptions you know 13 whatever tackles for loss defensive player of the year i absolutely wouldn't be shocked if by no other reason than what's around him however we know that might work against him so let's just go ahead and move on here Unless you have something to add on to that. Like oh, no, I, I think it's very narrative driven. And I just oh, absolutely there's enough narrative, narrative. behind Joey Bosa where it's like, it does the son have cancer? No, nah, you know, it's like, so yeah, like, for example, ya. like TJ Watt, you know, like he's kind of the guy in Pittsburgh, but there's so many yeah. working pieces in the Chargers. Absolutely. That- I feel that. I mean, if they win, if they win, if they win 13, 14 games, 12 games, win their division. Shockingly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. That, that seems like a kind of, oh, and he's the leader of the defense, Joey Bosa. No. I kind of see that being a thing, but you're totally right on the narrative there. So let's go oh, ahead and move on. Uh, offensive player of the year. Who do you have here? I have a feeling we're going to the same person, but who do you have here? So offensive player of the year. I actually think, you know, and he, here's the weird thing is that my MVP. Okay. I just want to say he's not my MVP officially. 
But in terms not my of, MVP, <laughs> Josh Allen wins MVP. There's no doubt in my mind. He also wins Offensive Player of the Year. We see so you're going. He's Cam getting both. Did. I think he gets both. Okay. But here's the thing. I do have an alternate pick for MVP, but I'm just for kind of like simplicity sure, sure. purpose. I think Josh Allen, his rushing ability is amazing. He gets a lot of touchdowns. He just is all over the field. And we saw what he did in last year's playoffs. He yep. puts his life on the line, bro. He plays like it's the last game he'll ever totally play does. his entire life. And maybe it will happen, but I don't know. Next year, he's kind of – I hate the term due because no one's due for anything. But Josh sure, Allen, sure, sure. if he does win, the narrative. he's kind of due for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. um, I think there's just no way he wins MVP without winning an Offensive Player of the Year award, just like Cam okay. Newton or Matt Ryan. But okay. Matt Ryan one was a little weird. But yeah, that that was a very Kyle Shanahan thing. That's I mean, there's a reason that Kyle Shanahan also got uh, Matt Schaub into the Pro Bowl for the Texans. Really? So that, oh, that yeah, that really he was the I believe offensive I coordinator Shanahan. down there. But uh, my offensive player of the year is going to be Russell Wilson. So this really has shades of Brady going to Tampa to it. Uh, he's likely going to put up a lot of yards and touchdowns. He does have that scrambling ability. He's got that. He's got that wow factor. You know, I mean, you see the Russell Wilson highlights where he's running around and then throws it and then way downfield, that deep ball touch. He's kind of got that highlight aspect. And obviously we mentioned narratives. He's going to have the he's going to have the limelight on him. I mean, he just moved team, signed the huge extension. People are going to want to see Russell Wilson. So he's my offensive player of the year. This one kind of writes itself. So I'm going to go ahead and move on. You said your real MVP is Josh Allen. Who do you have for your backup MVP? So that was kind of the same one that you had. But the only reason why I'm not too certain is because one, it's a really tough division. But I think Russell Wilson, I always said that if Russell Wilson stays on the Seahawks, not just because, I mean, it is an upgrade. It doesn't give me the same vibes as Tom Brady going to Tampa, considering that Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are not in the same caliber. That's as true. Mike, That's Mike fair. Evans That's fair. And Chris Godwin. But I would say this though, about like the situation, I think narrative wise, they're going to be like, cause I feel like Russell Wilson because of this, and it's going to be the same thing with Kyler Murray. I think given the fact that they've had so many like starts to the season, that's really good. I feel like the standards of them winning MVP is a lot higher than other players are. Right. Um, so I, but I think now that Russell Wilson's on a good team, He'll be able to have more room for the first time in his career. He's on a good team, man. Oh, yeah, first time (laughs) in his career. You know, not like we're not going to talk about, you know, people, fans are so stupid, honestly, including, you know, us fans. But it's just like, dude, I mean, the improvement in the O line, it is huge considering that you're moving from like, you know, you're still in the bottom 15 O line considering that you're going against some of the strongest defenses. It really is kind of minimal. I don't think it's as big. I think the Broncos defense is incredibly underrated, especially with Pat Sertain. But at the same time, like I think if Russell Wilson can make it work and play, because mind you, he was Justin Herbert and he was Justin Herbert before Justin Herbert. You know, he was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. He was just a lot smaller, more of a prototype version of him. But yeah, no, I think I could see it. No, then there's, go ahead. Oh no, the last thing I do want to say is Russell Wilson in 2020, those first eight games were the best eight games. Better than Peyton Manning's first eight games the year he went 55 and 10. Russell Wilson's first five games, or first eight games of 2020, what him and Kyler were chef's kiss, dude. They were beautiful. I'm going to save this, 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 and we're going to bring this up and we're going to make this a topic next week because I'm not prepared to argue that you're wrong, but I almost know for a fact that you're wrong. So we're going to oh. save this and I'm going to play it next week. And Here's we're going to make thing. this a topic. Statistically, next week. maybe I am wrong. But in terms of what he did, bro, he put Peyton Manning didn't put the team on his back. He just thread the needle. Just did, bro. Russell Wilson put the team on his back, bro. The let Russ cook first eight games, bro. He was leading game winning drives. He was running. He was doing everything. He was doing everything. All right. And it, I don't know. 
agree to disagree. Uh, okay, we'll agree to disagree. And I, but in terms of your MVP, he's a he's a very healthy, mm-hmm. common pick for MVP. And like we mentioned before, the narrative, the narrative's definitely there. Him moving to a new team, hard division, not afraid, whatever. And right. he's gonna. It, there's a certain level of limelight that is required there. So. We talked about this a little bit earlier. My pick for MVP this season is the big man on campus out in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is my MVP selection for this season. Everything he needs, he has it in place. Okay. He's got the limelight. They're going to be looking at him. He's fine. And really, this is kind of a big deal too, because Cincinnati, everyone's kind of ignored Cincinnati, even going back to the Carson Palmer era with Chad Johnson. Like they, I don't remember them being like, like a fresh, hot, cool team. Like they got this dude some help. Joe Burrow is freaking cool. People love Joe Burrow. I love Joe Burrow. You love Joe Burrow. Nobody, name someone who doesn't like Joe Burrow. The only people who don't like Joe Burrow are Alabama fans. They finally got him some offensive line help. Ted Karras coming over from the Patriots. Lyle Collins, who's a rock-solid right tackle, and Alex Kappa coming over from the Buccaneers. I absolutely love they did. They address their point of weakness. They are better now, unlike you are saying, than they were last season when they were in the Super Bowl. The stars have aligned. He's at a team that has media attention, a narrative as well, and it feels like he is going to absolutely sling the rock. This feels like it could be, if it weren't for Joe Mixon being as good as Joe Mixon is, this feels like a 52, 5,300-yard, 45-touchdown season for Joe Burrow, and it feels like he's going to do just enough of those Heisman moments, if you will, where he's going to have the highlights to make the MVP season happen. Do you have any comments? Do you want to tell me I'm wrong before we end the show, Addison? No, I don't think you're wrong. I think Joe Burrow, I mean, it is a narrative-driven award, so I think a lot of the times you see players win it just purely based off of, like, situation stuff. I think the team is really good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think, when I say regress, I mean, like, slightly regress. I mean, they're still top 18, top 10 team. They still have a lot of weapons. But at the same time, it's like, I think that division is just really good and that defense is a little questionable. But that's just me. I mean, maybe they'll do better. I don't know. All right, we'll so our takeaways from today, the very first backseat huddle episode, is that the first eight games of Russell Wilson's career are, of last season were the best eight games ever played by any quarterback ever. That's what well, we're Well, I mean, let, let me just – let me defend myself real quick. I'm not saying statistically, but in terms <laughs> – like, if I were to watch it, if I were to watch Peyton Manning's first the eight eye games test. in a movie – The eye test. Yeah, if I were to watch that in a movie, I would have said Russell Wilson. But if I were it's, to watch it statistically, probably Peyton Manning. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. The 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 Peyton Manning movie is the same movie over and over again. Touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. The Russell Wilson movie is come from behind action. Is moon he gonna ball. Make it? What's gonna happen? Moon yeah. ball. Mm-hmm. The Tom the the Space Jam Michael Jordan long dunk. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. So that's it, you guys. Thank you all for joining. Feel free to hit us with a like and subscribe. Take care, everybody.